It's um, always my joy and a great uh, privilege to speak you, to you in front of you and also um, uh, it's like having, you know, learning from um, each time I speak um, here because uh, as you all know, it's, the English is my second language and it's really hard to communicate to you in a uh, straight, plain English. So, um, and, and it's also I'm thankful to the Lord for your uh, patience towards me. And um, we will uh, uh, talk today uh, in, the, in, in one of the uh, books in the Gospels. So let's uh, begin uh, in, with the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we would like to thank you for this opportunity, for this uh, time that you have given us, that we can study once again your word. It's good to uh, start the day um, at your house and even, Lord, to end this day, uh, even in the same place. Thank you for the privilege that we can worship you freely. Thank you for the salvation that we, we, that we have in, in Jesus Christ, uh, through Jesus Christ. And I pray that you will speak into our hearts as we uh, look into uh, um, one of the topics of today. And I pray that you will... You will uh, Grab a hold of our hearts, and I pray that you will help us also to, but to live according to your will by your grace. Lord, I pray that you will, your will be done in our lives, and uh, we may see that a lot of imperfections in our, in our life, but you are so gracious, so merciful, that you always um, encourage us, rebuke us, correct us uh, through your word, uh, from your word, and also I pray that you will uh, help uh, that you will help us to stay close to you always, and as we um, looking forward to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we commit to you this evening, and we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Turn your Bibles, please, to the Book of Luke, chapter fourteen. Luke chapter fourteen. Um, I believe uh, many of you uh, cross on this, on this passage, uh, and especially we will be reading verses 25 to 35. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 35. So I'll begin reading uh, this passage, and you can, you can um, follow me with your eyes. Uh, the Word of God says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come after me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it, lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first? 
and consulteth whether he he be able uh, he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand, or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an amb ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever, who, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, there's a lot of passage in the scripture, according to the Bible, ev that every believer who has who has a relationship in Jesus Christ, who have accepted the Lord as their Lord and Savior, is called the disciple of the Lord. You know, a disciple is is someone who learns from his master. Uh, a disciple means learner, a learner. So every Christian ought to learn from his master. Well, in fact, if you're now saying uh, there that you are a Christian, you are you have that relationship in Jesus Christ. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. But sad to say, a lot of those Christians who profess that they have a relationship in Jesus Christ uh, do not follow the Lord anymore. You know, when trials and temptation come into their lives, they wave the white banner, they've thrown the white towel and stopped following the Lord. And there are Christians who kind of are contented of being a minimalist kind of Christian. It's, I'm okay here. I'm not way down here. I'm not also way up here. So it's, it's kind of a trending today. But we have to understand, you know, this evening, that it's true. Salvation is free, right? We haven't earned it. Um, it is through the Lord Jesus Christ that we have that salvation in our lives. But we have to understand also so that discipleship or being a disciple of Jesus Christ costs something. It's, it is costly. And I'm afraid that lots of Christians nowadays have flabby, air-conditioned, upholstered faith. And that's what their faith are as of today. And there's not much um, more on uh, when, it, when it comes to a true and genuine disciple of Jesus Christ. There's uh, few that, that manifest this uh, kind of character. To be a disciple or a learner of Jesus Christ, uh, it is costly. You know, when you read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, we will, per we will be persecuted for righteousness' sake. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, it says that we will be reviled, persecuted, um, be falsely accused for Christ's sake. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, we will deny ourselves and take up our, our cross daily. So you see... Um, being, being a disciple of the Lord is, is, is really not easy. Um, there are people would say it's not a bed of roses because actually roses have thorns. Thorns. 
Now, I'm not putting doubts um, or fear to everyone here with your relationship with Jesus Christ, but we should remind ourselves always that discipleship is not cheap. Being a disciple of the Lord is not cheap. To follow the Lord <coughs> is costly. To be a learner and follower of Christ may, uh, may not bring you fame, but shame. To be a follower of Jesus Christ, it may, may, it may not bring you medals, but scars. You know, you, you will become unpopular here in this world, especially when you look into the cultures, trendings of this world. You will become persecuted. Uh, you will be persecuted, will become un unpopular into the eye, in the eyes of the people. Now, in the, in the passage that we have read, it says that great multitude were following the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're reading Matthew, Mar Mark, Luke, and John, it's always like that, right? Jesus Christ did not throw any baits so that people will, will, will follow him. In fact, a lot of, a lot of people during that time, during the ministry of Jesus Christ, went with him. And even miles from miles from miles of walking, they don't care as long as you know, they follow this Christ. This Christ. Uh, but Jesus knew their true intentions. They're not, you know, uh, they're really, their intention is really more on the outside rather than the inside. The inside. Well, in fact, when Jesus draw a line, when Jesus now started to draw a line to become, what, is, what does it mean to be, become a disciple or a follower of the Lord? He drew a line and thinned out the crowd. And the Bible says in John 6, 66, after he had thinned out and drawn a line from the, on the crowd, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And that's the time he also Ask his disciples, will you also go? Will you also go? Will you also forsaken me? How many of you knows Giuseppe uh, Garibaldi? Or how many of you knows the guy? Well, he was a great Italian patriot who was uh, condemned to death by suppressive regime. But he escaped and fled to South America. South America, and he eventually returned to his country with visions of a new Italy. But first, he needed followers. Of course, you, you cannot go you know, against the government if you're just one person. He needed a follower. Uh, he needed followers. He began a, a campaign, and thousands flocked to his banner. In, 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 in a village, one day, he saw a gr group of young men standing at the street corner, and he urged them to enlist. What do you offer us? One of their number demanded. So one of the guys asked Giuseppe. He said, uh, what do you offer us? He didn't answer with dazzling promises but replied, friends, I offer you hardship, hang, uh, hunger, rags, thirst, sleepless nights, long marches, disappointments, and the hope of victory in the noblest causes 
that any Italian Eves fought for, Eves fought for, and he asked, asked them, will you join? The amazing thing that, uh, was they followed him in victory. They followed him in victory. So the question today, what does it mean to be a fully committed Christian? What does it really mean? Um, what does it mean to be a learner, a, a, a real disciple of Jesus Christ, a, a, tr a true disciple, a follower of, of our Lord Jesus Christ? Now, first, we can see here in the passage, a disciple comprehends the cost, comprehends the cost. Now look into me in verses 26 to 27. If any man, can, if any man come after, uh, come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciples. What is the cost of discipleship, or being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, first we can see here, it costs you your relationships, human relationships, really. It says here, hate not his father, and so on. Uh, this does not mean uh, that we are, to, to not, uh, we are not to love our parents. Because the Bible says, especially one of the commandments of God, that we should honor our father and our mother, right? God does not contradict to himself. And even his word do not contradict on himself. This does not mean also that we should, uh, we are to hate our wives, our, our wife or our husband. Or this does not mean that we should hate our children as well, our friends. Because God commanded, you know, every husband to love their wife. This word hate is, as it is used by Jesus, means to make a clear choice. To make a clear choice. Now in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, the Bible says, No man can serve, what? Two masters. Okay, because that's the point of the Lord Jesus Christ. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus must come before all human relationships. We have to understand that it is God who would be on the top. It's, um, I'm, I'm saying that it's not just on the list, but it's outside of the list. He should be the top of all relationship. Because... If our relationship to God has, has uh, you know, is not, is not right, no matter how we, you know, do our relationship with our horizontal relationship with others, it's really hard. It's something like, you know, you're pulling it of your own. You are doing it in your own. We have to, we have to make Jesus uh, come before all human relationship. There will be a time that, you know, you must make a choice. You must make a choice. For example, you know, missionaries who come to, who goes to another country and, and they have to make a choice with the calling of God to their lives and leave their, 
parents. And also even evangelists, that they, have, they should live for a season with their family, with their children, to preach the gospel. So there's, we have to make a clear a choice. So that's the first one. It cost our human relationship. But the second one here, it says, Ye and his own life also. Not only it costs your relationships, but also reputation. Reputation. This is not talking about self-denial, uh, but denial of self. Well, you say, saying to me that oh, it's, it's just the same, self-denial, denial of self. There is a, a quite a little bit difference. Uh, you can deny yourself things without denying yourself. I can give you an example f- for that. Peter, James, uh, Peter, Andrew, same with James and John, forsook their nets long before they forsook themselves. Remember, they, they followed the Lord. They followed the Lord, and you can see in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that they're constantly, they're constantly um, have this issue with regards to self. Yes, they left their occupations, they left their job, but they still have this constantly uh, problem of self, problem of pride, problem of following the Lord. And even when Jesus Christ was risen, they're always kind of asked of Jesus Christ, Lord, when is the time that you will restore the kingdom? Because what they're always thinking is that uh, Jesus Christ will, will, you know, come, came here to, to uh, free them from, give them freedom from the tyranny of Rome. But it's not the purpose of God why he came the very first place. Jesus exemplified a denial of self. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. The very creator, maker, source of life. Our God came to this earth he did not think of himself, right? That's denial of self. That's why in, the, in Philippians here, but made himself of no reputation. Many churches advertise more about self. In fact, you can see it in advertisements, you know, televisions, the world. Um, you, know, you have to feel good about yourself. There's a lot of products that Advertise that, you know, you, ha- you should have this so that, you know, people will, you know, like you, right? About more on self, self. That's why we, we, um, we invented the word selfie or groupie, right? Because of, you know, what's, what sh- uh, should the people would, uh, uh, you know, look unto me. And that's why, you know, social media, it's the very... Um, very um, proponent of those, you know, advertising about self. Um, an overwhelming desire, desire also of get rather than give. Prioritizing of pleasure, pride, glory, self-glory. You know, if, you try, if we try to ask ourselves, what will we do if no one noticed what you did 
what we did for the Lord. You know, you will try to advertise it to the world. You know, I believe that there are lots of missionaries, pastors, and even those who works for the Lord, whose even name was not found in the books for sale. But at the end, in glory, they will be the number one who will be, you know, um, awarded by the Lord. You know, no reputation. Number three, not only our relationship, reputation, it costs us our relief. It says in verse 27, whosoever does not bear his cross, bear his cross. Now, we, we, we understand that it's, uh, in our time today, it's not really, we, we bear cross every day, right? Um, back then, they know what is the prize at stake. When you say, when Jesus Christ told them to bear the cross daily. It's a shameful thing that you will be put uh, on that tree, on the cross. Bear his cross daily. Uh, when, when you come to, to Jesus as a disciple, you have made your last independent decision. You know, A.W. Tozer uh, told a story about a certain young man came to an old saint who taught the deeper life, uh, the crucified life, and said to him, Father, what does it mean to be crucified? You know, the young, the young man um, asked his father. And the old man thought for a moment and said, Well, to be crucified means three things. First, the man who is crucified is facing only one direction. One direction. The old man scratched his craggy head and said, One more thing, son, about a man on the cross, he is not going back. He is not going back. When you die on the cross, you have, you have said goodbye. The old man went, went on. Another thing about the man on the cross, son, he has made no farther plans of his own. He has made no farther plans on his own. That's what, it, that's what it means to be crucified with Christ. To be crucified with Christ. In fact, even the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, and gave himself for me. Does this mean um, when we become a Christian, we will just wait and, and, uh, for an audible voice to, you know, uh, from God and to do something? You know, we just wait here because, you know, I'm not living on my own now. Okay? Uh, certainly not. This means that we should uh, pray always that his will and his way will be done in our, in our lives. So that's the first one. The, to be a disciple of the Lord, a disciple comprehends the cause. Now the second one is a disciple counts the cost. He should count the cost. Now look into me in verses 28 to 33. It says there, he makes uh, two illustrations. Two illustrations with regards to the builder and a king. 
Now, after that Jesus explained to them what it means to be his disciple, he challenged them to count the cost before proceeding. You know, uh, one preacher said, it is better not to begin than not to proceed. It's the same, actually, what Jesus Christ is telling is uh, uh, less happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, and that able, and all that behold it begin to mock him, mock him. Joshua obliged the people of Israel to consider what they did when they promised to serve the Lord. Now remember, as uh, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people also said, promised to God that we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. And, and, and Joshua told them that ye are witnesses of what you said to, to the Lord. Note here in, this, in the passage, it says, for which of you intending? Intending. I like that word. Because to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, is, it involves our will. Really, because God did not force you to be in his relationship, in that relationship that you have in Jesus Christ. It is your volition. It is, it is your will that you put your trust in Jesus Christ. We are not, you know, mechanical. We are not robot. We have our own will to trust the Lord as his Lord and Savior and to be his disciple. We desire, purpose, and resolve in our hearts to follow the Lord Jesus Christ at any cost. And now look unto me in, in first there in verses 28 to 30, a builder who builds a tower. A life, be, a life being a disciple of Christ requires building. You know, uh, when, you, when you come to the Lord, to know the Lord as your Lord and Savior, it doesn't stop there. You know, there's sanctification process. Of course, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not our job, you know, to make to for us to grow. But for with our dependence to the Lord, we will be able to grow in our relationship with Him. None of us can finish what the Lord has started in our lives. Only Jesus Christ can. Philippians chapter one verse six, being confident on this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, a builder knows how to sit down and count the cost. Some of you have that experience. You know, you, just, you don't just right away build a house or even build something without realizing the cost. What would be the cost of building a house? No, um, it's the same with our Christian life. It will cost us to mortify sin, even our loved lusts. It will cost us to mortify that are dear to us in this world. It will cost us um, any that would hinder a relationship towards to, uh, from the Lord. There is no cheap way or lazy way in following Jesus Christ. It takes building. Also, your tower, tower, Christian life should be steadfastly completed in Jesus Christ, or else your 
Christian life will be a heartbreak of an unfinished tower. There are lots of Christians that, you know, died being a backslidden Christian. And I know some of them, even I, 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 I um, witness, uh, I've witnessed their lives that they are very faithful to God. But at the end, they, I don't know what happened along the way, they did not fully committed to the Lord. And probably, I don't know about the judgment of God, but probably, you know, the Lord take him away because of he is not, you know, doing his best for, for the Lord. But we should start right and finish right. That's what I'm, uh, what I'm saying is, it's not because of us, but because of our dependence to the Lord Jesus Christ. Many Christians also quit in the ministry. You quit because the kids in the Sunday school were bad. And sometimes there's, there's uh, teachers that's, you know, I'm so tired of these kids. Well, look at who, need, who needs a good teacher the most, right? They needed a good teacher. It, it takes patience to teach the kids. And especially, um, you know, I'm, um, I'm, I really, you know, marveled with the, with the teachers of the kids because, because it, it's re, it, re, it it's really takes patience um, to teach a child. You know, I wonder if um, what would be my life when I would have a kid someday. Um, our church attendance rotates off the active list and become permanently inactive. You know, when we started, when we started to, you know, to be active, inactive with, with regards to our attendance, you're getting used to it. You know, you, have you noticed it? You will get noticed. Uh, you will notice that you get used to, no, it's okay for me to absent. It's one for, one for a week. It's okay for me to attend one once in a while, um, but slowly, Satan will use that until you will say, "Oh, I'm I'm now ashamed to go back to the church. Why? Because I'm not attending there there so many, so, um, so long for so long, right? That's the that's the um, you know the fiery darts of Satan." Some who made promise with regards to, you know, a tithing and faith promise. And along the way, we, uh, some of the people, I don't know, would quit on giving to God. Uh, we, should not, we should not let Satan demolish our Christian life. It says here, we should not let people mocked. Our Christian life. It takes, it takes patience. A life it, as a disciple of Jesus Christ really requires dependence toward him so that he can build a good Christian life out of you. It's only him. We can do that. The second one here, not only a builder who builds a tower, but also you can see a king who gets to war. Now in 30, verses 31 to 33, I will not uh, read that once again. Being a disciple of Christ requires war. War. 
You know, a Christian life is a warfare. We have to understand that, right? We understand that, I, I, I think. We constantly wage war, and true disciple must stand with his master, no matter the cost. Jesus wants warriors, not, you know, the team. But he wants warriors who are not coward and who does not compromise. Yes, we have difficult trials and understand. Yes, there are great temptations. Yes, we have a strong enemy, but we should not let the enemy won because God is with us. We should not be like ambassadors who peacefully coexist with the devil. Uh, we, God doesn't want that, that we should coexist with the devil. You know the, the, you know the French Foreign Legion, they have a motto, and it says like this, if I falter, push me. If I stumble, pick me up. If I retreat, shoot me. That's their motto. Now we have to, we have to understand that there's, there's a, a war that will be constantly every day in our lives against Satan, against the world, against our flesh. No, there's an old Irish proverb and then it says, he who draws his sword against the prince must throw away his cupboard. In other words, be prepared to die or move to Miami because there is no retreat. In following the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no retreat. There is no surrender. I'm not saying that you will do it on your own, but it is Christ who will do it for you. You know, it, when we try to see the life of, I, I believe the uh, Old Testament was written, um, there's a lot of truth there that you can see that is really actually the picture of the New Testament. So for example, and, and when, you, when you see the life of, of the Israelites, they've, they've really conquered the land, well, in a portion, but of course, they've win wars because of their dependence in following or being obedient to the word of God. It's not because that they are mighty. It's not because that they are strong, but because they fully follow the Lord. They are permitted to obey the Lord, even though it's, it will, sometimes it doesn't make sense to them. You know, it's, it's, you can see that the same principle in, in the New Testament. Also, when you read uh, verse 33, and no matter the cost in following our Lord Jesus Christ, true disciples are not for sale. We, uh, we should not you know, make our, our life being a Christian for sale for the world. A disciple comprehends the cost. A disciple count the cost, but in the third here, a disciple should consider the caution. In Luke chapter 14, 34 to 35, it says, salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, 
but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. A Christian who does not fully committed to Christ or dependent to Christ has a possibility of decay. Now look and turn to me, please, in John chapter 15. Uh, I will, would like you to ask to read with me John chapter 15. John chapter 15, beginning from verse 5 down to verse 6. So let's read this all together. Begin. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Now you see, if our life being a Christian is lack, is have a lack of dependence towards God, this is what will happen to us. We want fruit. We desire fruit. But we should, God, but God is asking us to be dependent towards Him always. I like how, how Jesus Christ, you know, would illustrate uh, our life being a Christian. Um, Jesus Christ gave an illustration in the Bible in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, wherein He says that our life being a Christian is like the salt of the earth. Salt of the earth. Uh, salt speaks of witness, um, kind of a testimony. Oh, too many so-called disciples have a testimony that is flat. Is your life being a Christian is flat, blunt? There's no flavor. A true disciple will be like salt. That's what Jesus Christ is telling in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Uh, there's... There's uh, probably, you know, a lot of usage of the salt, but uh, I, I can give you two common usage of the salt. Uh, salt, number one, is preserves. Salt preserves, right? Long before the refrigerator was invented, um, men in the Bible, especially men during the, their time, the old time, um, used salt to preserve meat, right? And any other, if they want... Uh, if they pr want, don't want to decay or have corruption on, on, on the meat or their food, they would use salt. Fishermen use salt to preserve their catch. Well, most of the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ are fishermen, and they understood what salt is and what uh, salt does uh, uh, in their uh, occupation. Um, why they are using salt? Well, of course, to prevent decay and corruption. Sure, our, uh, our decaying world needs salty Christian. That's what we can say. And emulate Christ in our lives so that they may see Jesus through us. It's not, you know, our way and, and our will, but it is, you know, we will let our our life be shown to the people of the world that through our lives, they will show Jesus Christ through our lives. Um, we, are the salt, uh, we are the salt that points towards the giver of life. You know, the problem is not actually, so if you try to think of it, 
the problem is not actually Hollywood or liquor, uh, liquor dealers or theological liberals or even evil politicians. And the major problem as of today is saltless Christians. There's a lot of saltless Christians that would really preserve our world today. Not only the salt preserves, but also salt flavors. Flavors. May we always be a flavor, uh, be a flavor in the lives of other people, both unsaved and saved. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. But notice in this, um, in verses 34 to 35, Jesus Christ did not um, stop from saying salt is good. Well, yes, salt is good. But also salt, however, may lose its potency. It can. It says there, but if the salt have lost his savor, you know, in Bible times, salt came from Dead Sea. Um, the sun evaporated the water and left behind the salt and minerals. So if left to itself and exposed to humidity, the bite of the salt leached out and left the chemicals and the impurities. It became valueless and even harmful in the surroundings. You couldn't, you couldn't throw it in the field because it will kill the plant life. Or even if you drained it into the well, it would contaminate the water. The only other thing to do was to throw it on a hard, rocky pathway and let men walk onto it. Now, when we lost our value being a Christian, when we lost our savor being a Christian, that's what we end up. Even in, in John, we have read, they were cast away. Um, you will be withered. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. We should, be, we should, not, be, uh, we should not be a saltless, saltless Christian because a true disciple of Jesus Christ is a salty Christian. You know, what does it mean to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be a fully committed Christian? Now, a, a, a Christian, a true Christian, true learner, or follower of the Lord Jesus Christ should comprehend the cost. And also, a disciple counts the cost. And also, consider the caution that Christ has given to our lives. Would you like to be a fully committed Christian for Christ? And probably will say, yes. Well, he is calling us today, you know, to be a fully committed Christian. We live in a world that has a culture of anti-God. The morality of men is, in, is at the bottom state. Now, we have no legitimate option but to be fully committed Christian for Jesus Christ. 
That's our only option. No other way. No other way. And Jesus Christ is calling us to be a fully committed Christian for him. A genuine disciple. Being a disciple of God does not, is not cheap. Neither easy. But is it worth it? In following the Lord faithfully? If I ask you, is it worth it? You know, coming here at church, probably it's not easy for you. Um, you know, giving something towards the Lord probably is, you know, it, it's not easy. You know, being faithfully coming here to the church is not easy. Being faithfully serving the Lord is not easy. But if we ask ourselves, is it worth it to follow the Lord faithfully? Sure it does. Sure it does. Uh, one hymn, I like this hymn. Uh, it says, oft times the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away. All tears forever over in God's eternal day. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his, his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. You know, it, it's not end yet. Uh, we can, you know, every morning, every day, we can, it's, it's an, another opportunity. We can... You know, look into our lives and being, you know, look into my life and your life as well, being a Christian, to be a, to be a fully uh, committed uh, towards the Lord in serving Him, in, you know, in giving our time, treasure, talents towards the Lord. Because, and even, even life is hard, there's trials and temptation, you know, it, it is still worth it when we see Jesus Christ, our Lord, someday. Let's pray.